Welcome to The Inside. With each new generation of young people comes an ever more tech-savvy and tech-demanding slew of consumers. Generation Z, born in the 2000s, is more tech-savvy and tech-demanding than their parents, Generation X. So, for some time, the leaders of the tech industry have been planning for the future of the Internet. To them, the current structure is functional but antiquated, a hodgepodge a one-dimensional collection of millions of websites, apps, and social media structures. The next generation internet, 3.0, will be fast, flexible, and dazzling in its capability. Companies like Apple, Meta, NVIDIA, and others are investing billions of dollars on a new, more elegant, and useful structure. They call it the metaverse, and they are confident that eventually we are all going to learn, work, play, shop, and relax in this new environment. So today, we'll explore and discuss the metaverse with an expert whose company will play a critical role in its structure— Guido Meriti serves as CEO of Vinova, a software leader empowering VR and AR, social media, video conferencing, and broadcasting. He joins us today from Italy, where it's evening. Good evening, Guido. Thank you very much, Jim. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for joining us. I think all of us have been reading and hearing uh, the term metaverse, and it seems so otherworldly that it's difficult to put it in practical terms as anything that we really are going to use. So to start with, what is the metaverse? Metaverse stands for meta-universe, and it alludes to kind of this immersive feature of the next generation of the internet. Uh, in practice, it's a new type of internet user interface uh, to interact with other parties, access data, and uh, have a sort of augmentation of the actual world in front of us. And it's inspired by interfaces that are very familiar to kids or you know adults uh, that play online uh, video games. So they are already used to interacting with other people in online 3D worlds that are partly persistent uh, and very interactive. And the metaverse promises to bring that outside of gaming also to much more serious applications uh, such as other types of entertainment uh, uh, like you know creative entertainment that are very much liked uh, from us at uh, ais and uh, but also work applications uh, productivity applications uh, learning training social conferences e-commerce etc Essentially, everything that we do today with the internet and with the web or with apps uh, can be augmented in this way, and gradually it will be so very soon. I saw the other day the UAE is launching a virtual medical center where people from anywhere can get health care. Is this the kind of life that we're going to be living where we will use the metaverse really to interact with people in a way that we just can't do on the internet? Yeah, and in many, many cases, it's already what we're doing today. You know, it's an evolution as much as a revolution. Uh, I, I like it to compare it very much with Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. If you think about it, Web came along with Mosaic and uh, the World Wide Web and HTML. We were already using the internet, some of us. I was, for instance, because I was a technical <laughs> geek. And uh, and what it brought was much better interfaces, so a much better way to navigate, uh, to browse information and to get information and interact with others. When Web 2.0 came about in 2004, it was an enhancement in interaction because people realized 
that users could generate content. So it was not one to many, but many to many. And, and this created new opportunities for social networks and completely new applications. Web 3.0 or the metaverse uh, is again one of these things. So it will bring more and more interactivity, more and more digital into our lives, both with the new headsets and smart glasses and you name it, you know, all these kind of more immersive interfaces, but also with the known interfaces such as laptops or flat screens and mobile phones, just that we will interface with them in a slightly different way thanks to gesture controls and the fact that they will see us much better than they do today. Prior in your career, you've been a management consultant Yep. to, to major companies. If you're talking to a CEO or, or senior management team and they say, why should we invest in this? What do you what do you tell them? What, how do you advise them? What would you tell them? Well, you know, it's actually very very easy. Uh, you know, first of all, it's important to realize that the people that are wondering whether this is happening are mostly Gen X or Boomers, because if you ask uh, Gen Z people, you know, Millennials are super certain. And if you ask Gen Alpha people, they're already in it. So, you know, they don't even understand the question, much like certain people in the past didn't understand <laughs> the question, how much time do you spend online? What does it mean? You know, I'm right, always online. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, right, so, right. so, you know, it's really, if you want to be relevant to future generations as a, as a big company or big brand, you cannot not invest in this because it's, it's happening whether people want it or not. So how do you see this impacting the entertainment industry? How can businesses use this to their advantage? This, of course, uh, is very useful to studios or content creators, but it's also very useful to advertising. So we are already discussing very seriously with a number of top brands that are about to develop uh, volumetric advertising for a number of use cases, because, you know, in promoting products, of course, it's it's important to have a wow effect and to showcase your products in the best possible ways. So, you know, from in-game uh, advertising of products to full-blown volumetric advertising. It's actually something that a number of brands are already already working on precisely because it doesn't cost much. The pipeline is the same as the normal 3D pipeline or animation pipeline for anybody that does special effects or CG graphics. You do your CG as always, and instead of rendering through a camera, there's a zone of view camera. So, you know, it's a simple plugin. You substitute the camera, you render for volumetric uh, zone of view, and that's it. And from a corporate standpoint, these direct-to-consumer experiences, and what you're saying is any corporation is going to find that they now can theoretically expand their customer base by using the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And it cuts both ways, of course. Uh, you know, we've seen in the previous big transitions, certain big Titans will take advantage and will expand their market, will serve their customers with bigger and better products, will make more money, will become even more profitable and bigger. Certain others will falter. So, you know, if they are not able to interpret correctly these new trends and uh, evolve their products, you know, we have a lot of history of companies that were very popular and very big, and nowadays they're no longer. And every time there was an inflection point, like web. 1.0 created titans such as Google, for instance, uh, or, or and Web 2.0 created titans such as Facebook. And it's really important strategically for whoever is at the helm of these companies not to underestimate uh, that it's not going to be a long inflection point. 
that's also true for ourselves. Uh, you know, it's like uh, we saw that our technologies can really benefit massively this this new trend. And we realized that it's essential for us to do so because it's happening now. So to build out the space, and then I want to get to the, yeah, the how are we going to do this? You've got these these worlds that have been created for gamers. What is the world of the metaverse like for the user? What what are we going to be able to do, and why why is it going to be better on the in, in the metaverse than the current internet structure or the current way we go about our business and our recreation? All the metaphor of Web 1.0 and 2.0 was a flat metaphor, so you know, kind of like a book or a magazine, etc. And a book and a magazine are nice, but uh, the world we live in is three-dimensional, it's actually immersive. So the user wants something that is as realistic as possible. And most importantly, they need to be able to access this realism and this quality with devices that are light, inexpensive, and seamlessly interactive with whatever whatever they have already. So the, the key user concern is, I want to experience something better, so better quality. For instance, when I'm watching a film or a movie, I want to be immersed more into it. When I'm talking to friends or colleagues, uh, I want to kind of see more and interact better than I'm doing today with a flat video. Uh, when I work on, uh, on a document uh, together with people, possibly I want something more than just a small screen in front of me. I want to use the space around me in a better way, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there are a lot of very practical things that can happen if we use devices that are available today. What are the obstacles to getting this done? What are we going to have to, to do in order to accommodate all of this infrastructure? Uh, you know, there is a rub. As I was saying, the rub is that users and consumers want quality. They are used to video games that are beautiful. Uh, many people have a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox and uh, they're used to that type of quality or more. And when you start talking about normal devices that are inexpensive and uh, uh, mass market, uh, they are smaller. They are like, you know, the power of a mobile phone or less. And uh, let's face it, uh, we will never have the power of a PlayStation 5 on something that we can put on our head uh, or something the size or the weight or the power consumption of a mobile phone. Most of the devices of the metaverse are devices that will have to consume very little power. And so they will not have the rendering power to render these fantastic uh, 3D worlds uh, with the quality the consumer wants. So the only way to do it is to do it remotely in uh, time-shared uh, resources in the cloud where you can have discrete GPUs also inexpensively so, and also sustainably from a power point of view. And that actually requires streaming. So it requires having servers somewhere in the cloud that do the rendering. And then you need to stream in ultra low latency, the kind of user interface of what people see, you know, and that's a video or a video plus depth uh, transmission. That streaming requires to compress a lot of that, a lot of data. So we will have servers around the world yep. uh, nearby. We will have devices that show us uh, and give us access to all of this uh, content. What role does Vnova play? Where do you, where are you in this in this ecosystem? 
Well, you know, data compression in this in this world of the metaverse is fundamental because you have two types of challenges. What happens before the final rendering of your point of view, whatever you're viewing in this 3D world, and what happens afterwards. What happens before, essentially you have a lot of volumetric objects that need to travel around the planet and volumetric objects are very, very big sets of data. We demonstrated uh, this year the possibility to compress photorealistic volumetric uh, video and deliver it to the masses so that they can view it with $250 devices such as the Quest 2. You've seen it yourself and you've seen kind of the quality that you can get with an immersive experience uh, like that, which is photorealistic point clouds. That thing before compression was almost a terabit of data, which means essentially impossible to handle even even uh, you would need a special equipment in order to deal with that. With compression, you can deal with those data sets and transmit them around. Uh, and, and that's kind of the first part. So you have all these rendering engines that will have to deal with a lot of data that needs to travel around. The second part is actually delivering it to the endpoint. And the endpoint needs to be wireless because if we are at home, we don't want to be tethered to a cable. So we want to use our Wi-Fi. And we are, if we are around, we'll have available 5G if we are lucky. For that, um, our technologies do allow to stream uh, the rendered videos or videos plus depth in a way that you can experience super high quality immersive reality rendered somewhere else and stream to your device uh, so that you can have inexpensive devices, lightweight devices, and essentially be able to scale uh, to consumers instead of having kind of applications that are condemned to be for early adopters or or kind of heavy-duty applications. We're talking about the metaverse today. Our guest insider is Guido Merdi from Vinova. We'll be right back. The Insiders is proudly presented by Cineonic. Cineonic's future-ready enhanced services and technology solutions provide compelling cinema experiences, peace of mind, and financial flexibility. Today, with more than 95,000 projectors installed globally, cinemas around the world trust laser projection by Cineonic to power the next generation of moviegoing. Visit Cineonic.com today and discover why theaters look to Cineonic to provide the solutions of tomorrow today. Our insider today is Guido Merdi, CEO of Vinova. So I want to go to devices here in a minute, but I saw, you know, we all watched Microsoft purchase Activision Blizzard. And yep. so the question was, why does a company like Microsoft want to purchase for, what was it, $68 billion? Uh, a company that has all of these virtual games. And uh, there's a fair amount of speculation. And I ask you, yeah. isn't that a preparation of their entry into the metaverse where they can interact with consumers in virtual worlds? Well, you know, Microsoft already made a pretty big entry in the metaverse because they have a huge stake in the metaverse. So, you know, of course, they didn't change their name into meta like meta did. But, uh, you know, Microsoft... Uh, 
is already a leader in the gaming space, so right. they know very well what this means. Uh, they were among the first ones to launch uh, HoloLens uh, devices, so they've been experimenting with virtual reality headsets for an, um, and augmented reality headsets for a number of years. They are, of course, preparing a new generation of devices that will go more and more in that direction. They have a cloud uh, service, so they perfectly know that the metaverse will require a lot of cloud infrastructure, uh, much more so than today's world. And with Azure, of course, they're well positioned to be a key player there. And they are the leaders in productivity uh, tools such as Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc. So they know that these things will have to evolve to more immersive experiences. So, you know, Microsoft certainly will be a key player in the metaverse. So Mark Zuckerberg at a company meeting recently, and he told his employees, quote, uh, there's a deep philosophical competition between Facebook meta and Apple. What's he talking about there? And uh, and obviously changing the name to meta means that he's positioning Facebook for uh, the metaverse. But but uh, what what's the play for Apple and what's the play for 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 meta? Well, you know, of course, you know, just looking at public information, Zuckerberg has always been uh, a visionary, understanding very quickly that mobile phones would be super important uh, in the early 2000s when people were still focused very much on PCs and laptops. And he was like, the future of socialism mobile. And he was right. And then, uh, you know, some people may have thought that he was crazy when, when he started investing very heavily in VR and XR. And now they are realizing that he wasn't crazy, but uh, he just saw very quickly that this new trend was really the new web and the new internet. Uh, and so he had a giant stake in being a key player in that. Apple also, you know, let's not forget that Apple is a key player in devices that are in the hands and pockets of almost everybody. And uh, in a future where the metaverse promises to be the new way with which we interact uh, with digital, of course, devices are going to be key. So Apple understands that they must be part of this as much as they needed to be part of the mobile revolution. And they were the key player in the mobile revolution with the iPhone. So they are certainly going to play a key role there. And then, of course, there are other companies that are very very well positioned to be key players and are infrastructural companies you know very often people tend to forget silicon companies but silicon will have a key role to play in the metaverse in order to make it sustainable so these devices need to actually work with power and rendering that is somewhere and so there are also other players like nvidia intel amd that uh, that will play a key role in uh, in the future of the metaverse so let's talk about devices, right? The new internet or the the new metaverse is going to allow us to have richer, better, more effective interaction. And it's going to be three-dimensional as opposed to the one-dimensional, let's say, flat internet. What technology are we going to need to do this? Is this where the headsets or the eyeglasses uh, come in? The interesting thing is that there are several because the metaverse, in order to be the new web and the new internet, of course, it's not going to be just one device, not just VR headset, not just smart glasses, not just mobile phones, not just uh, flat screens. Like the web today, we access the web from everything, even from smartwatches. 
the same must be true for the metaverse. So as an augmentation of the web, it needs to work with several devices. Of course, we look more at the novel devices because the novel devices are more immersive and so cooler. So they allow for experiences that earlier weren't possible. So of course, smart glasses and headsets allow to see a digital reality all around you, whether it's virtual reality, which means I, I'm immersed in a totally different world versus where, where I am, or augmented reality. So, you know, I superimpose some digital stuff on the real stuff around me. This can be extremely helpful from a consumer point of view already for today's application. So, so for instance, if you and me were working on, let's say, a PowerPoint presentation together, you know, today we would do it uh, on Office 360 on our laptops and maybe we can have a video conference in the meantime. In a metaverse augmentation, we can put maybe, uh, uh, since we were talking about Microsoft earlier, you know, HoloLens or, you know, some something like that. And then we can see huge screens around us that we can pick up with our hands and move. Uh, and then I can see an avatar of you next to me and we can work on those things together. In the meantime, I see in transparency my keyboard, I can still work on it. And, you know, it's a seamless augmentation of what we would do today, but it's actually better. Guido, when you talk about the metaverse, it sounds that it makes perfect sense that it is inevitable that we replace the internet. But I think when people think of the metaverse, they think of, oh, I don't want to put on a big VR headset and be in a virtual world. You're indicating that's a small part of it. A lot of people confuse the metaverse uh, with VR. You know, VR and XR in general are part of the story of the metaverse. But as we said, the metaverse is the new web, the, you know, web 3.0 and will work on a lot of devices that don't require you to wear anything on your face. Maybe it's useful to kind of take a look at some applications that are emerging because, right. yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier some you know productivity applications how the metaverse uh, can augment stuff that we do today when we video conference for instance and uh, you know video conferencing and talking to people uh, when you have avatars and you are in a sixth off uh, or immersive uh, situation can be extremely immersive i personally did it and i must say the experience uh, is much better than a normal video conference. So, you know, it, it is indeed something that for certain applications makes a lot of sense. In terms of productivity, we already work today on documents and uh, other types of productivity tools uh, together with our colleagues. If we can do it with screens and objects that are floating around us and we have much more space than what we have available on a screen, that can be helpful. Or if we can interact uh, with our applications in a way that is less flat, it can be also helpful. Uh, for shopping, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that when you shop on a website, uh, you know, if you can just see pictures of what you're buying, and if you can just scroll, it's actually much slower than the experience of shopping that we have when we go to a shopping mall and we can see a lot of things around us in a 3D space and we can browse much quicker across a number of things and we can see objects much better because we can see all the angles, etc. So adding these 3D elements to the shopping experience will happen because it makes sense and will happen when we are at home but will happen also when we are in uh, the stores themselves. So for instance, we're working with a top brand on something that I find extremely cool using the light field auto stereoscopic displays that I was mentioning earlier, which are essentially glass-free 
displays. They show you a stereo image and then track your head so that you can see an object as if it was real. In a store, you can see all the collection of purses or shoes or jewels, whatever the store is carrying. And, uh, and you know, on a 50-inch screen in front of you, you see it as if it was a virtual display. And they are in real size. They are actually high resolution. And you see them rotating as if they are real objects. It's actually extremely cool and allows the store to have the entire collection there, even if they don't have it in stock. So describe describe what it might look like yep. in five years. Well, you know, How would we experience it? Yeah, in five years, it'll be seamless. You know, first of all, in five years, it's very likely that a big portion of websites will have metaverse features of some sort. So in some ways, they will be augmented. Maybe we won't notice it that much, but there will be features that have to do with some degree of gesture control. So, you know, we will control six degree of freedom of something or you know there will be something in 3d much it'll be much more immersive than than we see things today and it'll be more typical for us to to use certain devices that are immersive so i believe that uh, you know not necessarily in three five years we'll be all using headsets or smart glasses all the time but it's very likely that it'll be you know we'll find it normal that for certain things you put them on and in any case, they'll be relatively inexpensive. You know, they already today cost as much as a mobile phone. So, you know, it's actually stuff that uh, by that time we will consider fairly normal. We will see many more practical use cases uh, in real work situations, whether it is for training, whether it is for operations management, uh, whether it is for healthcare, or, you know, just simply communication entertainment, we'll, we'll just see it. it. It's fascinating that the pandemic comes along and we all must work from home. Yep. And then as things move along, we realize everyone finds themselves just as productive working from home. And so now there are hybrid versions of Disney and others saying there are certain days we want our people back, but everybody's reimagining the workspace of the future, realizing that what they their preconceived notions of five or six years ago turned out to be incomplete as they watched the real world experience of the effectiveness of Zoom calls and, and other things. So it, it feels as if the, the world through this experience of having a worldwide pandemic actually accelerated the open-mindedness of everybody of saying, well, is there a better way to meet that doesn't require us to be in the same room? Yeah, and it did it in two ways, because first of all, it, it showed that it's possible, but let's face it, it showed also that certain things don't work yet. And that's actually where the metaverse can help, because certain things, you know, if, if something works perfectly, let's keep it up. Uh, you know, emails have been up, uh, you know, even after World Wide Web uh, took over, you know, we still use emails nowadays and we still use radio after we had television and cinema, you know, picking up uh, big time, et cetera, et cetera. So certain things will remain as they are because they're fine. But what the pandemic showed uh, and what the return to work showed is that some things are still not quite right when we are in the digital world. And even though certain things will never be uh, fixable, you know, the pleasure of drinking 
uh, a glass of port uh, or the pleasure of being uh, in front of the Taj Mahal, you know, will never be exactly the same when, uh, when, <laughs> when <laughs> you know, it's a digital experience. But there are a lot of things that can be done better than what we are doing today. Shopping experiences, uh, work, uh, communication, entertainment, they can be enhanced. And a lot of people are prepared to pay for it. And frankly, there are already both the devices and the technologies to make it possible, which is the reason why we are at at that inflection point. A few years ago, we still didn't have it. And a few years ago, certain things were not in place yet. Now we can see all the pieces of the puzzle from a technological point of view being there, a real demand being there, the new generations pulling like there's no tomorrow. And so, you know, it's it's just going to happen. It'll take a few years, no doubt, but, but it's happening. You've made it understandable in an exciting way. And it it feels as if it's inevitable. And the best way to approach that is to start working on it and uh, finding a company like Vinova to help you get there. So uh, the metaverse is in good hands if Vinova and you are involved with it. Good luck to you. And thank you for coming on. Our quote of the day comes from Tom Hanks, who said, a hero is just somebody who walks into the unknown. Thank you, Guido. And thank you all for listening. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Pilsecker in Los Angeles. Brett Harrison produced today's show, and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS. <laughs>